Welcome to Find Your Sexy, the podcast that encourages self-love and celebrates female sexuality. I'm your host, Kelsey Valletta, and I want to help you discover your own unique sexy and learn to embrace it every single day. Thank you so much for joining me as we break the stigma together. Welcome back to Find Your Sexy. My guest today is Casey Potts. Let me tell you a little bit about Casey. Casey is a content creator and podcast host who helps millennial moms overcome the overwhelm of everyday life with confidence, humor, and style. She hosts the podcast Casey's Corner, where she holds conversations with experts and influencers around confidence, body image, and women's health issues alongside a dose of healthy lifestyle tips, humor, and nostalgia. After starting Casey's Corner at 10 years old on Radio Disney in the late 90s, Casey was bitten by the journalism bug. She earned her degree in broadcast journalism from Emerson College. And post-grad, she went to Los Angeles and started working as a food writer and recipe developer later becoming the senior brand manager for celebrity chef Wolfgang Puck. She has such a great bio. There's so much more I could say. I'm going to I'm going to stop there. Um but you can probably see already why Casey is such an incredible fit to have on this podcast and talk about so many of these things around body image, confidence, the media. So Casey, thank you so much for being here so we can have this conversation. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And thank you for such the warm welcome. Of course. You're always welcome here. So I had the honor of being a guest on your podcast, which recently came out. We recorded that last week and we talked a lot about obviously self-love, confidence, body image, and where we feel like a lot of that stemmed from being millennial women. I would love for you to share a little bit about your beginnings with uh, body image messaging and how that impacted your idea of what it meant to be a sexy woman when you were young. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you touched on it in the intro. I had this opportunity when I was 10 years old to start working for Radio Disney and host my own talk show on Radio Disney. And at that time, I mean, this was, let's see, I started in 1997. And then at the age of 16, I was too old to be on Disney anymore. So at that point, it was it was the turn of the century. It was the Y2K era. And it was also the height of like pop music, right? And that Mm. Britney, Jessica, Christina, like that whole genre of music and uh, sexism and everything or that like sexualization of girls and women at that point. And again, I was 10 years old. So I was interviewing these girls and I'm going to call them girls because they were, they were all, you know, under 20 at that time. And I, it's not that I ever felt that I wasn't in line. I mean, I was 10, they were a teenager, so it didn't really feel out of place for me. But I think there was a moment where I realized that, oh, wait, the people on stage look like that. And the people behind stage look a little bit different. I look more like the people backstage. And again, I'm only 10, but there's, you know, when you're 10, you think you're 40 and you think you're this wise old soul. Well, especially in that industry. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think that around um, maybe, I wouldn't say right off the bat at 10, but probably close to like 12 is when I started realizing, oh, my body is different. My body doesn't look like the people that are quote unquote famous or the celebrity body, but that's really all we were being fed when we were at grocery stores and magazine covers and teen bop or what whatever was on Disney Channel and Radio Disney, all this messaging that was always fed to us was this very sexualized aesthetic, right? And this very, think about it, right? The low rise jeans, the crop oh. tops, those butterfly shirts. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. My best friend still makes fun of me. The fact that I owned some of those sequin butterfly shirts. I think but we all did. <laughs> we all had them. Oh my goodness. We all had them. And yeah, I think that there's such, uh, there's a lot of damage that was done at that, in that era. Yeah. What, um, what did, when was the first time that you realized that maybe what you were being shown or made to believe that a body should look like, when was the first time you realized like something about this probably isn't healthy and like, I need to make sure I'm doing my work so I don't get sucked into this. Like what, what, like where were, when, when did that happen for you? When you realized like, oh, there's something weird happening here. Yeah. I will. So, you know, what? I haven't thought about this in a long time, but when you just asked that, it, it brought back uh, a core memory <laughs> from the back of the filing cabinet where I remember being backstage on quite a few occasions with different female pop artists and their parents being their managers mm. and you know craft services around or you're in a green room and they they have certain things on their rider that is what they have in their dressing room and I can recall the slight comments that were made uh to the girls of oh you've already had enough of that or Ooh, are you sure? Or, Ooh, those pants aren't looking, those pants look a little tight on you. And just those kind of comments where they're not always ill intentioned, but sometimes they are. And I think it was hearing those comments so often and from, you know, someone, or I would say to someone who I was looking at as this pinnacle of perfection and someone who looked fantastic and probably was super healthy and very fit and active and could do all this amazing choreography and not lose their breath. So how come someone was telling them not to eat or someone was telling them their pants looked too tight, right? So here I am not in that shape at all. Something must be super wrong with me. What are they not saying to me? Yeah. Well, first I want to say, or I guess ask, did you ever overhear that happening with any boys that were guests that like were when you're backstage, any boys? Never. Right. It's always, I mean, I I felt like I didn't even, I was like, let me ask just to be sure, but I think I can just assume that this is only happening to the girls. I think maybe if anything, it was like, Hey, eat more. Or did you eat? 100, 100%. That happens. Yeah. You're looking too skinny. You're looking too skinny. Mm -hmm. You gotta eat. Um, so how did, how did all of those experiences impact your own body image? I know you just said like, you were like, well, if they're saying that to these girls who are in this shape, doing all this stuff, like, what are they thinking about me? How did that impact your body image as you were entering your teen years? Right. Like what a I, wild time to be overhearing all that stuff. 
It was. And I think that maybe I don't realize or acknowledge uh, how much that culture affected my body image issues. And, you know, I kind of just thought, oh, we all kind of have this. And I know a lot of us do. However, I think that being in such a higher level of those kind of experiences, like Mm. being around celebrities and being around influencers before that was even a word. Yeah. (laughs) So true. Even a thing. Um, Being in such close proximity to those people, I think I felt a little bit more of a pressure or, you know, because of course, and and we talked about this too offline about how comments like our parents would make Mm -hmm. or our mothers who didn't really understand the little slight comments that they were making, how that was affecting us. So I heard those things at home, you know, my mom being unhappy with her body. And even now I brought things up to her where she was so unaware of the things she was saying. And she kind of tries to justify it now. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just hoping you understand what was said, how I took it. And then in turn, like how I'm now trying to not replicate that for my daughter. So I think that it was a combination of slight comments I heard just from the women in my life, my everyday life. And then seeing these women and these girls that are held in such high standard held to a high standard, right? Like held to the highest standard. And me just trying to figure out where do I fit in or how am I ever going to attain that sort of success if I don't look like that. Yeah. How has it been for you as you've grown into a woman now? And like you said, you now have a daughter of your own. And first of all, I just want to say, I like recognize how much courage it takes to confront and have those conversations with, you know, unfortunately for a lot of, for a lot of us, it is a parent, but it, and usually it's, it's, done from a place of them wanting to help or them thinking they know what's best or wanting to protect you. It's usually not from any place of ill intent, but it takes a lot of courage to, first of all, get curious about where things stemmed from and confront that and decide that you're going to break that cycle for your children or the next generation moving forward. So what does that look like now for you being a mom, still being a woman, still being a human being, dealing with body image on a daily basis? What is that like for you at this point in your life? It's hard. You know what? So I'm actually full transparency. I'm in like this weird season. I'll call it a season. I'm in this weird season right now because um, in 2019, between 2019 and 2020, I lost a lot of weight. I was on a weight loss journey. I was so, I was just previously, I had been, had a really hard time getting a lot of the baby weight off, which again, this is a whole other conversation about shedding the baby weight and that pressure to do it. Um, But I was just at a point where I was extremely uncomfortable in my skin, um, uncomfortable with my health and the inability to keep up with my daughter and doing the things that I wanted to do. So I adopted the keto lifestyle and I kind of started to share that all that journey on my social media. And at that point, my following started to grow. And I had this correlation in my head of, oh, 
me losing weight equals more mm. followers, more engagement, Ooh. more, it's like a popularity contest with myself, right? Like how could I be more popular skinny or thinner? And it was, let's say I lost, like I said, I, I lost about 40 pounds. And then I hit this point where I was like, two things happened. One, I realized I didn't want to be I didn't want to be putting down anyone who their goal might've been my before. Does that make mm. sense? Like my, I was sharing before and after pictures yeah. of my journey and the before pictures always had a negative connotation, right? That's, that's what before pictures are. And then I had this realization that people who are in my network and in my community could be looking at that before picture as their goal. Or I never wanted to put someone in a position where I was making them feel less than in their current state, right? That's so thoughtful of you. I, I just, it just felt weird to yeah. me. It just started to feel weird. And um, and it was just so funny too, because I feel like when you would, when I was posting before and after pictures, people would comment saying, you were be beautiful before, you're beautiful now. Mm. And I'm like, I don't think I ever said that I was ugly. <laughs> it's so interesting how yeah. people um, automatically correlate like weight loss and beauty, right? That like you have to have one with it in order to have the other or something. So it's almost, I understand their intention was good, but it comes off weird when you're in that moment. And then the other thing that I realized was that I was now pushing diet culture. I was promoting. Yeah this lifestyle. I was promoting weight loss. I was promoting changing, you know, manipulating your body and biohacking your body. Cause that's really what keto is, um, to make someone like, I just felt like I was preying on people's insecurities mm. and it felt so icky. And I just started to understand that that's a hundred percent, the psychology of diet culture. And I didn't want to be part of it anymore. So right now I am in this season, I say, of trying to find that balance now between accepting my body for what it does, but also allowing myself the grace and the, um, like the confidence to let it be its best self. Because now I've gained back 30 of the 40 pounds and I'm in this tug of war between feeling super bummed out and disappointed in myself for having gained it back, but also realizing that life happens, diets are meant to fail and that there's a reason that my body has shifted and everything. So I'm now being so careful in the messaging that I allow Kennedy to see like for, for a year and a half, two years, she would offer me her pasta and I'd say no. Mm. And I realized that what am I doing to her? I am losing out on a bonding moment of taking a bite of rigatoni because I'm afraid that that bite is going to, you know, throw me out of ketosis and I'll be done forever. No, it was so stupid when I got down to it. So now it's finding balance. It's just being mindful of the messaging and the way I talk about food around Kennedy and the way I talk about my body. And, you know, even this morning, 
she called me into her room and I was in my underwear and she grabbed my belly and I tried so hard not to like grab it and be, you know, Mm. block myself and show that I was self-conscious about it. And now I just kind of have to lean into it. And I'm like, yeah, that's my body. What? (laughs) So I am trying to make things much more matter of fact for her and not show different biases with foods and villainize certain foods. And that's really the best I can do and figuring it out along the way. And I think that that's something that so many women and moms especially can relate to listening to this right now. The fact that like you're, like I kind of said before, you're on your own personal journey, right? And learning to adapt and accept and love yourself while also trying to set a good example for your daughter. And two things are allowed to exist at the same time. Like you are allowed to want, you're allowed to celebrate your body for what it is right now while also wanting it to be the best that you feel like it can be right like you're allowed to have those two things coexist things feel so polarizing right now and I think it's because we live so heavily on social media and everyone is being forced into their niche right so people are either body positivity I love my body the way it is I'm never changing blah 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 or you have the wellness and fitness Uh side of things that are constantly improving. And here's this 30 minute ab workout or whatever. So I think that exactly two things can live at the same time and coexist and they need to, that's, that's balance. That's what it is. And that's like most of life, most of like what actually happens in life is in the middle, right? Like there's always like anything in life, there's extremes on both sides. Like, like you said, body positivity, accept your body just as it is right now without wanting to change anything, then focus on manipulating your body and carving it out to be this exact thing. But like most people relate to the middle. And that's like when those are the things you deal with. Like that's when life is happening when you're in the middle. Right. And I love, I want to talk about social media for a couple of reasons. Um, well, number one, like you're a content creator and this is, this is like, you create content for, for millennials, for moms. And you said how, you know, you noticed that as you were posting about your keto journey on social media, that the skinnier you got, the more followers you got. And, you know, we could have a whole we could have a whole conversation just talking about social media. Right. And there's, there's pros and cons. Right. And, you know, that was, that was amazing that you were aware of the correlation of that and how it made you feel. Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about how social media has impacted body image as a whole, both, both, both from the pros and cons. And I know we kind of talked about this briefly, But something that I think that is so beautiful about what social media has provided us, but especially women, is representation and celebration of all different body shapes, sizes, colors. And whereas before, and we talked about this over on your podcast, you know, during the Y2K era, we were being fed this one standard of beauty on magazines, on TV, on billboards, which was a tall, 
thin white woman. And like, if you did not fit that, then you were never going to be considered beautiful. If you did not do everything you could to manipulate your body to be that, you would not feel beautiful. And now having smartphones, having social media at our fingertips, we're getting to see all these representations of of different body shapes, color, sizes, like I said, which I'm so grateful social media has given us that. And I think it has forced a lot of, a lot of companies to really take a look at what they have been, what they have been presenting as, you know, this is our customer that wears this, that does this and is now starting to adapt. What are your, what are your thoughts on how social media has impacted body image? I know I just talked about a positive and I know there's more negatives we can talk about, but what are your thoughts around that? I think what's interesting is that there are people who just kind of dip their toes into social media and I think could see it being so negative because they're probably only following a couple huge influencers yeah. or celebrities or people that they don't feel represent them, right? It might be, they might be using social media to follow different brands. And I think the beauty of it and the way that I have shifted myself, like I hardly follow any celebrities anymore, unless like I have some sort of aff- affinity or affiliation with them. Um, or someone that I actually look up to and I do identify with. Because I always say you can use social media for good or for evil. And the thing that I think people tend to forget, you have 100% control over the content that you consume. You have the ability to mute, to unfollow, to block. However you need to you know, navigate your feed you can do that. And for me, I was always, uh, when it comes to body, I was feeling this weird pull of like, well, I don't identify with these really thin girls, these tall, thin girls. I also really don't identify with a lot of the plus size models because they're a lot bigger than my regular sizing, you know? And I was like, what is this middle ground? There's got to be some sort of middle ground. And then thanks to social media, I mm-hmm. discovered the whole hashtag around mid-size fashion. Yeah. And I was like, this is me. This is me. This is exactly where I was wanting to fit in. And that's where I started creating my own fashion content because I had so many followers that were like, wait, I don't fit into the size four. I also don't fit into the size 20, but I do fit into the size 12. I'm like, yeah, I got you. I got you. (laughs) Well, we'll kind of figure that out together. So, you know, that was where I saw it being a extremely positive thing. However, again, it really depends on your own filter as far as if you're going to consume the content that maybe is someone who makes you feel like your body isn't great or who is promoting a certain body image that you don't like and don't feel like represents you. Yeah. I love that you brought up the fact that we all have control over what we're consuming on social media. And I think a lot of people do forget that sometimes. So how, like, what advice do you have? Or like, how did you go about finding what accounts or people you wanted to follow that were going to be good for you 
like while you're muting or unfollowing the the people that you're like, maybe this isn't the healthiest thing for me to see. Yeah. Because I imagine somebody listening right now is like, okay, that's great. Like I would love to find, but like, how do I find those people? Like what, like, what did you do to find those, those accounts that were good for you? So first I'll tell you how I weeded out the ones that I knew were negative Please. because I think that what started to happen, and this was something I had coworkers a couple of years ago tell me that, tell me about some influencer that they follow and they were always talking smack about her. And I'm like, who is this girl? And they're like, oh, we just hate follow her. I was what? Like, what? What is, what is this hate follow? So apparently that's a thing that like, it's kind of the train wreck situation, yeah. right? Like you just keep watching to see. The it's like a bully. It's like a bully at school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, and they didn't interact with the person. They weren't trolls of this person at all, but they just kind of wanted to see what they were doing. So for me, the way I went into it was one night I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go through and who would I not want to like have coffee with? Who would I not want to meet up with for drinks one day? And if that, if there was a no, they got unfollowed. The other thing was if I came across their feed and I felt myself comparing myself to them and it being either judgment towards them, having some sort of snarky, snooty comment in my head about them. No, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to bring that negativity into my own life. Like, even though it's me putting it on <laughs> onto the person, I don't want that. I need to get myself away from that mindset. So I would follow them. Finding people that I wanted to follow was exactly the opposite. Who did I want to go have coffee with? Who did I come across their picture? And I was like, oh, that's so great. And I felt happy for them. I felt something for them that made me want to kind of keep interacting. And those are the people that I want to follow. And then I would just kind of, I know hashtags are kind of passe at this point, but they do still help me find people that are kind of like-minded. So I did start following the whole um, mid-size fashion blogger or mid-size style because it was showing bodies that represented mine and giving me new ideas and giving me uh, just a stronger representation of the kind of style that I like to see. Okay. Thank you for sharing that because I, I think yeah. that like you mentioned a lot, there's such a negative connotation for a lot of people with social media and like realizing that you can take control over what your experience is and transitioning it from maybe following people that you're comparing or judging and you're becoming this version of you that you're like, oh, I don't want to be this here's what you do to stop being that person. And here's what you can do to start feeding your brain with things that are going to make you feel celebrated and accepted and understood. So I think that that's really an important thing to understand. And I get that some people are nervous about unfollowing certain people. Like if they do have an in-person connection with them or, oh my goodness, Facebook and family. I think I use that, snoo that snooze button got me through 2020, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. So many of my family members were like, oh yeah, did you see what I posted on Facebook? Yeah. I'm like, no, I've snoozed no. you for the past three yeah. months. Yeah. Like, no. like, no, I haven't been um, on Facebook. Yeah. So there's a lot of tools. You can mute people so they don't know that like you're not unfollowing them. You just don't see their content. You can snooze them. Uh, there's, there's a very graceful way to do it. Totally. 100%. Don't be afraid to unfollow or mute. No, 
better it's to your, protect yourself. It's your content. Yes. Like I said, like I, people who aren't in the social media realm, when I say consuming content, as soon as I say the word consume, they get it. Cause you yeah. are, you're digesting it. You are completely consuming yourself with it. So you have the ability to control what it is that you're taking in. Yeah. You're so self-aware. I really love that and admire that about you. I think, I think it takes, have you always been that way or, or have you like, like, did you like go to therapy and learn about this? Because I think a lot of people, it takes them a very long time to become so self-aware to how they're thinking and how it's affecting how they're feeling. So, you know, it's funny. I think that a lot of my awareness, my self-awareness came at a young age with the experience working Mm -hmm. for Disney because I was always around adults. So I had a very keen awareness of the way that I needed to act and the way I needed to present myself and the way I became very intuitive and really good at reading a room and reading the body language of people and uh, kind of looking, you know, at a group of people in a distance and trying to figure out, okay, wait, are, do you, do they look like they're going to let mm. us into an interview? Like do, do, reading body language really young. And, you know, I didn't hit the whole therapy thing until the past year. Yeah. And my therapist told me she's the same thing. She's like, wow, you're very self-aware. Yeah. And it's almost a detriment to be honest, because sometimes I'm like, I know I'm crazy. I need to figure out yeah. why. <laughs> Or we're all crazy in our own way. We're all crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, It's not a bad word. It's, it's just a word. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's kind of where I've netted out is that I understand why I am the way that I am. And I understand a lot of things in the way that I do things, but what I need help with usually in therapy is how I navigate those reactions and that awareness around the relationships I'm in. So that's kind of where the the sticky part gets but I'm very grateful of my awareness because I don't think that I'm uh oblivious to anything or naive to anything like I see in you know peers yeah no I totally sense that from you and I think the fact that you are so self-aware like is only going to help you like because none of us are perfect right we like achieve some sort of internal awakening or awareness and then it's moving on to just the next thing and like you said you're working on that with your relationships now yeah. Like you already have one foot in because you know how to have that awareness with yourself. Um, I think that's just such a beautiful quality. So Thank I just want to say that. Yeah, of course. So I would love to hear now as an adult, an adult millennial, how, how do you define what a sexy woman is after everything you've been through, after everything we've discussed, what to you is sexy. How do you define sexy? Oh, it's so funny. I think that now as an adult, I think you asked me this question when I was like 17 to 19 or 20, it would have been physical things, right? Mm -hmm. It would have been like, oh, long hair and big lashes, which ironically I have, (laughs) um, you know, it would be so much more physical. But now, as soon as you ask that question, my brain automatically went to someone who can command a room, someone who can walk in and everyone instantly gravitates towards. And really that ends up boiling down to confidence um, and being able to walk into that room and know that you are completely secure in who you are. That's a huge part of being sexy. I think that uh, there's also just this 
a little bit of sarcasm I feel is very sexy mm. and just a little bit of coy at coyness and a little bit of sass uh it's it's really about the personality yeah. I think that I would not have said anything not tangible or not physical probably 10 years ago but now in this state of where I am and in my marriage and in my community and in myself and my self-awareness it's so much more the emotional and the way you present yourself isn't that crazy I think I mean I ask this question to everybody who comes on the podcast and almost everybody alludes to the fact that when they're younger it's always going to be something physical or more surface level and you know it's part of it is life as you learn more about yourself and other people and you mature and get older it's always it's always internal it's always something that we see it, like a quality in somebody else their energy rather than their physicality which is so interesting Yeah, like I can actually just thinking about it, I can picture. So if I were to transport my brain back to like 22 year old Casey and you asked what is sexy, I think I would see like a Victoria's Secret ad with no movement, just a billboard or just like a poster or something, right? But now when you asked me, I saw movement. I saw someone walking into a room. I saw someone just with this confidence. And sure, there's still an element of glam to them because I think that- everyone kind of has their preference as far as what aesthetically is sexy to you too. But there was movement to it and there was like life and so much more reality to what sexy is. I can't help but wonder if that correlation of like a still image versus movement is like back, you know, when you were 22, it was a lot, a lot more of magazines and we didn't have social media like it is now. And now with social media, it's a lot more like personality of people showing up Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting. Yeah, totally. There's a really good correlation there, I think. Yeah, Yeah. right. Amazing. Okay. So what is one physical trait of yours that you think is sexy that we can celebrate right now? Ooh, um, I, if there was, there's a million things that I've always said I would change, you know, tweak, whatever. But I think if there's one thing that I know I would never want to change, it's my eyes. I love that. Beautiful (laughs) eyes. And then what is one character trait of yours that you feel like is really sexy? Oh, I'm going to go with my sarcasm. I love that. Yeah. I love how you mentioned that too. It's like a little wit, a little banter, a little back and forth. It's always fun. Mm -hmm. That's sexy. And then my last question for you, who is one woman who you think of as a sexy woman and why? Ooh, I feel like there's a lot that would come to mind. Why can't I think of anyone off the top of my head, of course, now? First person you think of. First person I think of. um, I actually, my brain went between Eva Longoria and J-Lo. And I think, yeah, I think that... It's almost, again, it was, I think that was like a a 22 year old brain and a 35 year old brain where, you know, I always thought Eva Longoria was like the hottest woman and wanted to look just like her in her desperate housewives peak. And I was like, I'm going to be Gabrielle Solis. (laughs) Um, And I just, I still do appreciate the way that she's aging and leaning into her age and not running away from uh 
the spotlight like a lot of I feel like women who end up aging out like aging out of Hollywood quote unquote do um and then there's JLo who just defies time and age and she is just again commands a room commands the confidence and or exudes the confidence that everyone kind of everyone wants that JLo glow and as that could be an aesthetic of a JLo glow. No, it, there's an inner glow that she has too. Oh yeah. That's like a fierce energy that I'm like, totally. whoa, 100%. Yeah. And I love that you brought up Eva Longoria. I feel like I saw like a TikTok or something on Instagram, like a video recently. She was at some event and she was wearing, I think it was almost like this white pantsuit, but it was like a white bralette uh-huh. and then a blazer. So her like, you know, her, her belly was showing her chest yeah. was out and I was, she looked amazing. And I feel like her and JLo, it's like, I love when people defy that, that idea of you shouldn't wear that at your age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because what is that? Like, what is that telling us? What message is that sending? So I love yeah. when I see these women aging, wearing whatever the hell they want and looking beautiful, of course. Um, I think those are two amazing examples of sexy women. Yeah. I I'm sure I'm going to come up with like 50 other way better ones. Yeah. Well, because there's this, but you know, (laughs) you know, there's millions of sexy women on the planet. So understandable. Well, thank you, Casey so much for having this conversation. Where can people follow you, connect with you and learn more about you? Well, you can tune into the podcast, listen to the episode that Kelsey and I did. It's Casey's Corner with K's, Casey with a K, Corner with a K, uh, anywhere you stream podcasts. And then on Instagram is where I hang out the most. And my handle is at it's Casey Potts. Awesome. Thank you so much. I loved our conversation. I feel like we could have these conversations over and over again. And I feel like these are conversations that need to keep happening even offline Um, so like, I really encourage anybody listening to get curious about this and and continue this conversation with the other women in your lives. So we can help break that, that stigma and and cycle of bad body image and celebrate each other for just exactly what we are because we all deserve it. Absolutely. Thanks, Casey. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For more information, visit findyoursexy.co or follow me on social media at Kelsey Valletta. And if you would like to leave a five-star review of the show, I would be so grateful. Actually, I can't think of anything that would be more sexy.